Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Deep South Dining and B.B. King's birthday. Our show is all about the culture of Southern flavor. I'm Malcolm White. My co-host, Carol Puckett, is out today. But we have a jam-packed show all about cooking with kids and about family meals. School is in session. Football has taken over the weekends. And time is getting tighter. But mealtime should not suffer. Come on, y'all, let's ditch the drive through and find ways to provide balanced meals with easy recipes that are just right for the weekends. Today, I'm joined by Marlena Walters, owner of the Everyday Gourmet, mother of 10-year-old twins, and Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Fit and Healthy. Healthy and Fit, sorry. <laughs> Join us, one mpb ring on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White. Carol is out traveling around doing something fabulous today, but I'm not alone. I will be joined here in the studio by Marlena Walters. Marlena is a Greenwood native and owner of the fabulous Everyday Gourmet. And she often teaches uh, cooking classes for kids. She'll share some of that with us. Uh, soon we'll have Dr. Josie Bidwell joining us from UMMC. She is the host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And she's also a lifestyle medicine and fitness instructor. So she'll be joining us by and by. But for now, we have Marlena Walters. Welcome, Marlena. Hi, Malcolm. How's Come it going? On. Pretty good. Pretty good. Grew up in Greenwood, did you? Greenwood. Greenwood, yes, where there's lots of good food. In fact, yeah. my husband and I were uh, trying to figure out what we're going to eat yesterday after church, and um, I kind of feel like we've gone everywhere. But then I'm like, you know, I wish that we had a crystal grill here. I could eat some, <laughs> some Newburgh casserole. It's just hard yeah. to find. Yeah, that's that's great. And you also, you were involved with Carol through the Viking cooking school, right? Yes. Back in the, the Greenwood days. Yes, Carol kind of raised me up, and I've been hanging on to her apron strings ever since. Yeah, you and me both. Mm, that's, a, that's a good place to be. Mm. So when did you... Uh, Get involved with the Everyday Gourmet, which for our listeners, you, you'll know that Carol used to own that store and she, she sold she it did. to you. She did. It, it was 12 years ago, uh, um, uh, October, I mean, it was August the 1st, 2007, mm-hmm. that we purchased uh, the Everyday Gourmet. And uh, Carol and I had worked together at Viking um, when she was over the cooking schools there. I was a buyer um, under her and I, I learned a lot, a lot from Carol yeah. and um, have taken. Those, those little nuggets that she dropped along the way and, and have hopefully continued her legacy, and I, I hope that we've made her proud at the Everyday Gourmet. So the Everyday Gourmet is, is a retail store, but you also have cooking classes, right? We do have cooking classes, and we do kids' cooking classes the first Saturday of every month at the store. Our cooking school director, Kelly Stout, does those classes, and they are a lot of fun. My kids have taken a lot of the classes, and we have some regulars and some newbies, and we do lots of kids' birthday parties and, and those sorts of things and trying to teach them the ins and outs of their way way around the kitchen. Right, inviting them in to feel comfortable. Exactly. So where is the store now? I know it used to be out on County Line on near Pear Orchard, right? It's still on County Line. Mm-hmm. We just moved across the street and up one red light um, <laughs> into the old O'Charlie's building, which was an actually a really perfect fit. We were able to 
repurposed their kitchen and turned that into our cooking school. And had, so you actually took over an old restaurant? An old restaurant, yes. And we have people come in from time to time wanting some O'Charlie's biscuits. Which <laughs> which well, we you could probably make those, We, we probably could, but uh, we've turned the bar into our checkout. So there, there's uh, we, we've repurposed the whole place. Great. I'm talking to Marlena, uh, Marlena Walters. She owns the Everyday Gourmet. We're now joined by Dr. Josie Bidwell. Dr. Josie Bidwell is with UMMC. She's the host of, and no stranger to this room, of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. She's also a lifestyle medicine and fitness instructor. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your work. Oh, gosh. Where do I start? So <laughs> I do a little bit of everything. I call it job security. But uh, I am at, at UMMC. I'm a nurse practitioner. And I work for the Department of Preventive Medicine and run our lifestyle medicine clinic. And so lifestyle medicine looks at nutrition, exercise, sleep, and stress management. Hmm. And how we can use those different things to either keep us well and prevent chronic disease or actually use those as treatment modalities when we have a chronic disease and also do culinary medicine. So I'm fully invested in the fact that food is a valuable tool in the fight against chronic disease. So culinary medicine, uh, talk a little bit about that. Explain exactly what that is. Yeah. So culinary medicine, um, probably the the forerunners for culinary medicine would be Tulane Mm -hmm. over in New Orleans. And they have the Gold Ring Center for Culinary Medicine, which um, is a formal education program for healthcare providers to learn how to cook foods that taste good, but that also promote disease fighting capabilities so for instance um, anti-inflammatory foods so we learned um, how to use foods to kind of calm down inflammation which is driving not only things like arthritis and autoimmune disorders but heart disease so we can actually teach patients how to cook in a way that will help their medicines work better Wow. So both of you are working moms, and you're yes. also in the food world. Marlena, you have uh, twin 10-year-olds, right? I do. Talk I do. a little bit about a uh, healthy diet or how you get your kids to think about mealtime and, and how you prepare and involve them. Well, it can be difficult. Uh, I can tell you that. My kids are, I've got one that I, I say is a pizza connoisseur. He mm-hmm. would eat pepperoni pizza every every day if he could. Um, I mean, that that's a challenge in trying to get over that hurdle and but he likes fruit um so we do a lot of smoothies there's uh, sometimes i I just throw random things into the blender throw even a little cereal in there just Mm -hmm. to to kind of give them a little something extra fiber yes i'm i'm really good at at throwing a little extra into something that'll they'll kind of make something go further or give them a little something that they're missing. Like when we make tacos, I'll put a can of tomatoes, crushed tomatoes in with the meat that they normally wouldn't eat unless it was secretly added. Well, I have a granddaughter who's three years old, and of course her mom is the primary worrier about her diet, but I do have time with her. And one of our great tricks is, of course, she likes macaroni and cheese. So we put green beans, little green peas, mm-hmm. sweet peas in the macaroni and cheese, and she, she thinks it's a special dish and eats every bit of it. Well, there you go. Now, my one would eat it up, gobble it up, not have a problem. The other one would pick out every pea and separate <laughs> it and then maybe eat them one at a time. But mixing mm-hmm. things together, casseroles, one of mine won't do. The other mm-hmm. one, you know, will eat anything. 
So your your cooking classes for children, do, I guess the parents and grandparents bring the kids, or they is do. it a drop-off they, deal? They, they drop them off, and <laughs> we, we hang out with them and um, turn them back loose after we've uh, – I can't say we don't always uh, – we always do something healthy with them. Sometimes we will do sugary things and, and yeah. send them on their way. But, you know, kids – they like they like to cook with chocolate and and sugar and yeah. little things, but we also put a little oatmeal in there with it. Okay. So, Dr. Bidwell, sugar yes. is not really the problem, is it? Well, it depends on the source of the sugar, okay. right, and how often we're using it. So the word sugar gets vilified a lot. And one thing I hear in clinic from patients over and over and over again is, I can't have fruit because it has too much sugar. Hmm. And I literally turn around and bang my head against the wall one time <laughs> because the naturally occurring sugar is not not the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because it comes in a package that has vitamins and minerals and fiber, like you mentioned. When we talk about sugar that's not as healthy for us, that's refined out sugar. So that white sugar or brown sugar, just because it's brown doesn't mean it's healthy. It has molasses added to it. But when we're adding that unnecessarily or to everything, you know, every now and then adding some sugar to something, I, I mean, I agree fully. Kids enjoy cooking with those kinds of things. And so when I work with with children or adults, for that matter, on on cooking, we may still include some regular sugar, but we're also going to pull in some things that are naturally sweet that will add sweetness to that recipe, like maybe applesauce or mashed bananas or dates or something like that, that. So ultimately, we've had to use less of the refined sugar to still get the same sweet product. Hmm. So what about the family meal? How important is it, ladies, to sit down at the table with your family and set aside time for meals versus just everybody grab and go? I think it's very important. I mean, we have a thing, a Sunday supper in our neighborhood where we have all the neighborhood kids over on Sunday nights. And we try and have have dinner ready by 630, 645. Um, I do the same thing, same casserole. I will tell you, I get a little help from the frozen food section on this one. But we have that casserole plus fruit plus um, another meat or vegetables and salad, something like that. But that's the one thing that's consistent every week is this grandma's rice casserole that we make and the kids really like. And I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And the kids, I think, look forward to it. Um, but I think having a family meal and everybody together is, is very important. It sets, right. the, sets the stage and ends the day. Absolutely. And research shows us that kids who eat with their families actually do better in school. They make better grades. And they also have less risky behavior. So they're less likely to, to engage in some of those behaviors that we see kids do that are not great for them, whether it be drinking or smoking or um, you know even risky sexual behavior. When you have that family time together, one thing we do for, for family dinners, instead of just saying, how was your day, right? Because that seems to right. be the question. How was your day? And they'll say, fine. 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 It's great. Watch for dinner, Mom. Right. <laughs> then we ask specific questions. So I'll say, what was your favorite thing about today? And then I follow it up with, what was kind of your least favorite part of the day? Because if you just ask them, is anybody being mean to you? They're going to say, no, Mom. It's fine, you know, because I got two boys. And but if you really prompt them and say, you know, what didn't go well today or what was your least favorite part of the day, you'll get a little bit more information out of them. And and that's that's how I learned that um, my youngest had moved his clip. This is a thing now, like the clip. Like I don't I didn't move my clip, but yeah. 
I don't know about the clip. It's like apparently a behavior situation. So oh, okay. like if you're doing something wrong and they tell you to stop and you don't stop, then you got to move your clip to a different oh, okay. a different area. Clip and, up and down. Yeah, clip up you. and down. Yeah. And no longer the dunce cap. I no, hope. I think they've done, they've done away with that. But uh, now it's a clip. And apparently if you move your clip a certain amount of times, you have to, instead of playing at recess, you have to walk around the... Uh, the, uh, the the playground. Yeah, the playground. Yeah. And so uh, the oldest told on the youngest. He was like, Mm-mm, I saw him walking at recess. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I used to make a sit. <coughs> clip and busted. Clip busted. Clip busted. Yeah, yeah. So that we get that out at dinner time when we ask those kinds of questions. You know, I ask my granddaughter all the time, you know, about school, and I'll say, What did you eat at school today? And every time she says, Ketchup. Mm-hmm. To which I will say, great, what did you have with the ketchup? And she will begin to tell me a little bit about the meal at McWillie School. Yeah. Well, my kid just bought a T-shirt. We went to New Orleans um, two weekends ago, and his T-shirt that he bought says, I put ketchup on my ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) And then people want to say, well, it's got tomatoes in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also some of those other things. Yeah, some sugar and some salt and some other things. Interesting point. 12% of of American calories come from plant foods and ketchup counts. Okay. So, wow. yeah. All right, folks, we're going to uh, come take a little break, come back with Marlena Walters and Dr. Joseph Bidwell. I'll take your calls. We're talking today about family meals, about kids, how to get kids to eat, picky eaters, what they eat, what they don't eat, how to get them involved in the kitchen. We'll be back. We'll take your calls. We'll talk more with Marlena and Josie. This is... MPB Think Radio's one and only Deep South Dining. Stay tuned. one 672 7464 If you want to call, email us at food at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining. I am Malcolm White. I am here today with Marlena Walters of the Everyday Gourmet and Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. No stranger to this studio and to our listeners. Welcome, ladies. Thanks. Thank you. And during the break, y'all started having a conversation about sugar versus sugar substitutes. Y'all want to pick that back up? I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So you had a question for me about what I thought about sugar sweetener or sugar substitutes, right? Yes, correct. So um, sugar substitutes uh, are not real food. So, you know, I am a huge proponent of eating real food. Um, real food comes with other nutrients added in there. So sugar substitutes are not necessarily the healthier option. The flip side of that is we shouldn't be using enough sugar substitutes that it's going to really be an adverse health event. You know, like one packet of a sugar substitute and a, you know, one cup of coffee is not going to be the end of the world. But seven in your sweet, in your right. non-sweet tea is a little over right. the top. That's a little over the top, especially <laughs> yeah. because our, our gut doesn't know what to do with it. You know, it's not real. It doesn't recognize it as a carbohydrate or a protein or a fat. And so when we're talking about that inflammation, it, it kicks up inflammation because our body's like, I don't know what to do with this thing. You know, so I, again, I would rather see a, a natural, real product used in moderation than a ton of fake stuff added in. Okay. Yeah. All right. We got our first caller of the day. Trish is calling from Ellisville, and her question is punishing kids by walking. Hello, Trish. Good morning. Hey, Trish. Good morning. Marlena, I don't know if it was you and Josie, it may have been you that said that they're using walking on the campus as punishment. 
That's well, a new one for me. It's me. It was Josie. I know, and it breaks my heart. <laughs> that principle, that, that is ludicrous. My sister was punished about 45 or 50 years ago for talking in class. She was made to read um, Jane Eyre, one of those oh, gosh. books. Women in Heights, I think, is the one that she was, yep. had to read. Required to read it, and as a result, she reads nothing for mm-hmm. pleasure. Yeah, well. and I, I was, I would, I always wanted to go back and tell that lady how stupid that was. Well, that's one thing, too, I've learned in having kids is that I I know my parents always wanted me, of course, to clean my plate. But uh, having a kid with a gag reflex, there are some things that I just got to I got to let it go. We may not be able to clean the whole plate and what works for one kid may not work for the other. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to do something. I see in adults now, they all have this hang up about cleaning their plate. And even if they're not hungry anymore right. because they were drilled into them as a kid you have to clean your plate they eat it anyway and when we're staring in the face of this obesity epidemic that we have you know i'm trying to work on folks appreciating that satiety cue that i'm full i should stop right, right. Mm-hmm. and so we've got to be careful what we do with our kids um you know what i see a lot is food is used as a reward Right. Like you got your shot. Here's a sucker. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you did. You read all the books you were supposed to read. Here's, you know, your your pizza coupon. We got that when I was growing up. Right. Like if you mm-hmm. read all your books, you made the A on a roll. You got a, a coupon for, for pizza. And so we work very hard to try and not use food as a reward and to not use physical activity as a punishment. And so we kind of were talking over the break and. The way, like, if, if when I was little, when we got in trouble, you sat. Like, you, you couldn't go to recess, I mean, that was the whole thing. Right? You got to watch everybody else play, and you just had to right? sit there. But I actually prefer them to walk. At least they're moving, right? You know, at least they're up and True. moving when they're walking. But I still don't, I still would rather not see physical activity as a, as a punishment. Right. You know, I, I say that all the time. Physical activity is not a punishment. It's a celebration of what your body can do. So it's a work in progress. We're working on it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So even though Carol is away today, she did go out and get a short interview with Alec Golovac. And Alec is a, a food blogger and a cooking instruction, Marlena. She also teaches kids. So she starts out talking about kids having Uh, basic knowledge of figuring out where food comes from. This is Alec. For me, it was first understanding from a personal aspect what food means personally to me. And as a child growing up, I was always interested in food and traveling for food, obviously, with with my family. And then the reason I got into kids with cooking, it's their reaction to when they take a bite to something that they've produced themselves. Wow. So are you teaching them about ingredients? I mean, like, do they know that a carrot comes from a gra- from the ground, that milk comes from? Are you getting that basic with them? Yes. You ask a child where a banana comes from and they'll tell you the grocery store. They don't understand. And that's why I come in and show them where it comes from in the world, where it comes from, how it gets to us in all different parts of the United States and in the world as well. So do you think knowledge of where the food comes from helps the child to accept the food? I know that so many mothers say their kids are picky eaters, and is this something that that helps them eat bananas or eat fruit or do that kind of thing? So sometimes parents will join in on a class, which I recommend not, because me as a teacher, and I try to relate to, relate to them as a friend, 
so that they will be able and more likely to try different foods. When it comes from a parent saying, I want you to eat this, this, and this, they're less likely. But once they've tried it in my class, then they'll go home and tell their parents that they like it, which is always shocking and impressive. <laughs> oh, I know the parents are really impressed. Yes. Um, so at what age do you start children cooking? I like to start with kindergarten. So it's usually six, seven years old. And it's very basic, but at the same time, I keep repeating over and over with the children those basic uh, techniques and flavors so that they build on them, and then we'll start to experiment and ask for different flavors to build on the original ingredients and flavors that I've introduced to them. So describe to me what basics are. I mean, is it measuring? Is it... So for basics, it's not necessarily, obviously, reading a recipe. I break them usually up into groups of four to five students. And with those four to five students, we have maybe bananas, strawberries, and blueberries. From those basics, we can make about three to four different recipes with that. Everything from a smoothie, a fruit salad, to a fruit banana split, to making skewer kebabs. And with those four different recipes and those three ingredients, they understand the versatility of a fruit, a vegetable, or uh, a grain or carbohydrate and things like that. And from there, they start to understand that banana, you just don't peel and eat. You can do so much more with it. Okay. One of my concerns as a food person is that we're losing the continuity of the family table, that time when a family sits around at night. It seems like so often we're grabbing bags of food through a drive-in window and kids are eating in the room or in the car. And so what do you say to parents about the importance of family eating? Studies show that uh, sitting down with your child and sitting down as a family, even if you don't have children, it's five nights a week is going to improve their health, their education, and their relationship with their families. So that's a big aspect of what I try to teach the children, what I try to teach the families that I teach as well, is to take that time. You do not have to spend an hour and a half cooking in the kitchen. You can whip up a delicious, wholesome meal in 20 minutes. And it doesn't need to be uber gourmet. It can just be a roast chicken with uh, roasted potatoes and a side salad, and you have a wholesome meal to sit around the table and discuss your day. That's really the purpose of sitting and having that that psychological and emotional bond over a meal that is going to nourish your family. And that's what I try to instill in kids, especially, is that they will tell me the next week that they made a dish that we made as a snack for part of their family meal. And it brings the family together, not only in the kitchen to discuss the food, but also at the table and to discuss their day and their growth as individuals and as a family. That's our own Carol Puckett talking with Alex Golovac. Alex is a food blogger and a cooking instructor. Well, Marlena, what did you think about what Alex had to say? Well, I thought it was really interesting that, uh, about the parents not coming to the cooking classes. It kind of reminds me of when my kids were doing swimming lessons and mm-hmm. the instructor was like, we don't want to see you, get out, go away. I, I do agree that kids will experiment with things and, 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 and maybe listen to what someone else says uh, before they will their parents and maybe try something new which can be a good or a bad thing you know down the road i'll probably uh feel differently of oh when you're with a stranger you'll try new things (laughs) um you know i I don't know it could go both ways but i I do agree that that kids are more open to trying things even in the cooking school we've we've seen 
kids that normally wouldn't like honey and something or um, maybe not like oatmeal in, in their cookies. But when you pulverize it and you do some different things and they get to see it just whipped up in the blender and, and beyond recognition, uh, and then it gets in the cookie and, and it tastes good, and then it's, it's different. But if they saw that just that ingredient sitting right there with their mom, they're, they'd say, I don't like oatmeal. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, the flip of that is um, our, so we ran a, a community teaching kitchen for a couple of years, and we had a cohort of adults as who we targeted, but we um, asked them or offered to them that they could bring any family member that they wanted um, to that uh, cooking session. And so a lot of them brought their, their children. And what we found in that is, you know, we were targeting the parents, so the recipes were written as, as a, you know, adult-friendly, you know, using some uh, ingredients that kids might not normally pick and when the kids saw their parents try it they were like okay i'll try it too because they saw their parents role modeling that you don't have to be afraid to try something something new um so we actually got a lot of um kids trying new things because they were modeling their parents trying it what i really appreciated from that interview that we just listened to was the concept of ingredient versatility and being able to use ingredients in multiple different ways because what i see now with adults is when I start talking to them about fruits and vegetables, they'll say, well, I don't like vegetables is usually mm. the one they tell me. I don't like vegetables. And so we start to go through the list and it's either they've never tried it or they've only tried it one way. Um, so they, they say, I don't like Brussels sprouts, but all they ever had was, you know, that, that boiled gooey <laughs> Brussels yeah. sprout that wound right. up on our plates when we were little. And they don't realize the versatility of that Brussels sprout in that we can keep it raw and shave it really fine and make a delicious salad out of that. And so um, really getting people to understand the versatility of ingredients is really important. Now, Alex said that she felt like you could whip up a family meal in 20 minutes. How do y'all feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 how we get dinner on the table uh, at my house. Um, actually, I'm a big fan of batch cooking. So on the weekends, I'll batch cook a bunch of beans, a bunch of grains, and then prep a whole bunch of greens as well. Um, because we are plant-based uh, at my house. So mm-hmm. um, that does cut down a little bit on cooking time because... Um, you don't have to defrost anything. I don't have to defrost any meat and that, you know, the, the animal protein is usually the thing that takes the longest amount of time to cook. But, you know, I can whip up um, a top taco bowl in in 10 minutes with just having had a little bit of preparation on the on the weekends do you use a microwave um, I'm not going to say I don't use a microwave. It's not my first thing that I'm going to mm-hmm. go for. Um, I would much rather heat things up in a, in a toaster oven or in the actual oven just because you maintain the integrity of the ingredient. You know, when we microwave things, it gets a little a little gooey. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's definitely there. It's going to be better for me, you know, heat up a bowl of chili if I only have, you know, two or three minutes versus getting out a pot and pan. And it all depends on how many dishes are sitting in the sink. It's about the time. Think, <laughs> it's about right? the time. It's true. <laughs> what about the microwave? Marlena? Oh, it's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just check it. We, we like the microwave. Yeah. We also use the toaster oven, and uh, I also use a pressure cooker crock pot uh, mm-hmm. to do all sorts of things. It, it really has been, I was always afraid of a pressure cooker, but this new one that, that we got. Yeah, the pot. I, I, yes, the thing that mm-hmm. you open it and the steam comes out like crazy. It's, yeah. it's amazing how quickly you can cook something from frozen. Right. And, and actually, you can just walk away from it. And when yeah. you come it's back, not it, the pressure cooker that we grew up with. 
with when we were little that, you know, was kind of like shaking on the stove and you didn't get too that close thing to it. would scare the life out of <laughs> yeah, any child. Yeah, it was, it was, or it was impressive. Yeah. True, but that I, thing I've traveled spinning with spinning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I take my Instapot with me. I, take, I took it to the beach and my friend was like, you are crazy. And I said, no, I'm not. You just wait. We're going to have our time out on the beach and we're going to do this and we're going to come in and dinner's going to be ready. And dinner's going to be ready. Yeah. What about the air fryer? Oh my gosh, that was going to be the next thing I said. I adore the air fryer. I actually have the combo. So I have the one that's a pressure cooker, a slow cooker, and an air fryer all in one. And it just depends on which basket you put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use the pressure cooker as much anymore just because I, you know, I don't do uh, the, the meat anymore. But I do use it for beans and things like that. Um, but the air fryer, probably three to four days a week, we're doing something in the air fryer. Because I can take you know one or two lone taters that are sitting over there that are just about, just about past their prime and chop those up and dump them in the air fryer and have delicious like home fries. Because right. uh, we're a big fan of breakfast for for dinner at my house. That's so mm-hmm. another like quick and easy thing to get on the table. And then I've got some hash browns that I didn't have to babysit and turn and flip and use a ton of oil for. Ah, good. good idea. All right, it's break time again. And when we come back, we will continue talking to Marlena and Dr. Josie Bidwell from UMMC. In this next segment, we're going to take on the picky eater. We're going to talk about the child's taste buds and how we develop them and work with them and figure out how to get past the chicken nuggets. So if you have an interest in this, you want to call and talk about feeding your child and involving the entire family in mealtime, we're at 1-877-672-7464 or pop us an email to food at MPB online. Malcolm White, Deep South Dining. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. MPBOnline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBOnline.org. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White. Carol Puckett is away today, but she will return shortly. If you ever want to listen to entire episodes of our show that you missed, you can always check out the website, mpbonline.org backslash deep south dining, or subscribe to the podcast using MPB public media app, frankly, or any podcast app. That way you never miss a show, you never miss a recipe, you never miss Deep South Dining. Again, today in the studio with me, Marlena Walters and Dr. Josie Bidwell. Uh, Among many things that they do in their professional lives, they are parents of young children. And have you ever encountered the notorious picky eater, ladies? Only every single day, at every single meal. (laughs) My youngest, he's eight. I call him a carbitarian because he doesn't eat meat, but he also is not a huge fan of um, fruits and vegetables. So Hmm. he he loves some bread and some pasta and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, So he is is definitely our... uh, picky eater in the family so your entire family's vegetarian or so uh, the kids i try not to make it a battle right Mm -hmm. you know my choices don't have to necessarily be their choices but we're going to offer it and but we also make sure that we offer something that that they enjoy that is healthy so you mentioned those chicken nuggets right and so as long as we're um, thinking about how we prepare those and choosing good quality ingredients I don't have a problem with them choosing that as long as they also choose a fruit and a veg um, on there. And when I mean good quality ingredients, I'm not buying the processed, like shaped like a dinosaur chicken (laughs) (laughs) nugget that's in the thing because who knows what's in there. Um, But actual 
real chicken um, that's breaded and then um, baked. So not fried. Some of those Sanderson Farm chicken chicken yeah. breasts yeah. cut up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, some, some good actually looks like some chicken and not a chicken pressed mm-hmm. goo. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Uh, Marlena, how do you deal with the picky eater in the cooking class? Um, well, I mean, you have to be mindful that some, uh, sometimes are they, are they picky because they legitimately just don't like it or there's uh, we've got kids that don't like chocolate and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, bless your heart. But it may be there may be. Yeah, know, absolutely. Th- sometimes I think that kids' bodies do tell them that they don't like things for a reason. Um, just like I don't have I have a thing I don't like vanilla I had a horrible e- episode as I know a vanilla wow. milkshake when oh I was at camp gosh. ruined me forever on oh. vanilla milkshakes vanilla ice cream can't can't do it and it's psychologically in my mind there's something there about it it's my husband and coleslaw like he can't do it yeah, wow. it, so too it, bad for both of you. Uh, the coleslaw more for me. The I, vanilla me more too. for me. I know, but it, but it, it, it's a reaction. So yeah, being I picky, I don't necessarily think is is a bad thing. I mm-hmm. think it's just that you're you're more selective on things. And I mean, some kids that it will only eat one thing. I, I think that's a of course a huge mm-hmm. problem. You want to try and broaden it, but. Sometimes I've seen that kids, they, they really, if they don't like chocolate, it's because it, it makes them hyper and makes them do something right. else, and they don't like the way that their body reacts to it. So I, I don't necessarily yeah. have a problem. And there are also kids who may have sensory issues as well, and so different textures, right. it, it may Texture thing is real. physically make them ill, you know, and they may vomit, and then now you've got a completely unhealthy relationship with food going on. Well, and it so, ruins a cooking class when somebody throws can up. You? It does. Vomit, <laughs> I mean, vomit definitely you know, puts it a damper on the party. All right, ladies, enough about vomit. <laughs> Let's talk. All right, we got a caller on the line. Timothy is calling from Louisiana, somewhere in the great state of Louisiana. He has a suggestion. What's up, Timothy? Well, I have five brothers, and my mother had to feed us, you know. And one of her practices was to make a um, a turkey roaster full of um, sloppy Joe mix, mm-hmm. which we would then can and freeze. And my job was to get a bottle out of the freezer and put it down in the refrigerator every morning before we went to school. Right. So it defrosted while y'all were at school. Yeah, and then when we got home from school, we didn't have to bother her. We just pull it out, put it in a pot. We didn't have a microwave, you know, and heat that sucker up and and have some sloppy joes, you know. Smart mama. That was a smart mama. Yeah. Great yeah, advice. Yeah. And I love the idea of the shaved uh, Brussels sprouts. I'm going to give that a try. Please do. We have a great winter salad that we do that has roasted um, butternut squash and shaved mm. Brussels sprouts. It's really, really good. So you got any recipes you can share with us, Marlena? You brought a couple of books here. Let's see. One is, what are well, those? I've got, I've got the uh, First Baptist Mad- Madison, their commemorative mm-hmm. cookbook, which we put some recipes in. And then I've got my mother's, uh, just some of our family recipes. That uh, that are all in this one little cookbook, some of the family ones and some of the things that I remember having as a, a kid, uh, special things like breakfast casserole. That's something we did every every Christmas. We would have that and, you know, sausage balls, those those sorts of things. Not necessarily always healthy, but something mm-hmm. we all ate and, mm-hmm. and enjoyed and something she could do ahead of time. So your mom put all of her recipes into um, uh, a, a bound book? That's very I used cool. to work for a copy company in between <laughs> the, the, the phases of uh, Viking and uh, the Everyday Gourmet. 
uh-huh. I killed a lot of trees. And so, so this you was published what, that so, well, for I, the family. I, 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 yes, just put it together for, for mom, and she gave That's it as Christmas gifts. That's a great gift. thing to have. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, the family recipes. Mm-hmm. I think someone was in a few weeks ago, and they had a, a, a book of loosely uh, bound family recipes, and I, I was thinking maybe they should clean it up and put it they in. Should. They she, should get with you. She spent a lot of time on this. And, it, you know, there, you can tell this, this well, I'm, I'm going to turn into my chocolate pie. You can tell i got a thing for chocolate. <laughs> but that that was one thing that, as a reward, uh, as, as a kid, whenever um, we made good grades, I didn't get money. I got a pie. You got a pie. I got a pie. And hmm. a chocolate pie, that was what I looked forward to every nine weeks uh, was, was my pie. I'm so, pretty sure my first pregnancy, I survived on pie. Like, my mom would walk in the door, and I'd go, pie? Did somebody say pie? <laughs> yes, yes. Because pie, pie is good. And you can do all sorts of things with that. You can even make a chicken pot pie with that, that, right. that same crust. I do love pies of all sorts, indeed. So, uh, Josie, what about these uh, sort of new, not new, but these labels, these healthy labels out there? G- gluten-free, right. fat-free, sodium-free, sugar-free, right. free, 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 free. What about right. all that? Well, first of all, you got to see, does it make sense for that label to be there, right? So, um, gluten-free, for example. Um, if you have a documented, proven gluten uh, sensitivity or true allergy, like celiac disease, mm-hmm. then we don't want you to have gluten, right? It is it is not good for you putting that gluten into your diet. Even if you're not having a whole lot of abdominal symptoms, the inflammation in the gut increases your risk of different kinds of cancers um, in the small intestine. So we don't want to do that. But only about 1% of the population has um, celiac disease. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of vilified gluten for... the majority of people and it's and it's not there so first we have to say does this product need to be gluten-free and if it does do i need do i need for it to be gluten-free um you know i was uh, in in the in the checkout line and i looked over and there was some uh, beef jerky sitting there and it said gluten-free and wow. I thought, isn't that gluten free? And I was like, cows already come gluten free, so you know why? It is, they, right, it's, it's, it's advertising. It's like clickbait. It's like, oh, gluten free. It's healthy. Let me put it in my bag, right? And then the other thing, like fat free. Um, I actually saw a, a section of bananas that was uh, sitting out, and underneath it, it said um, cholesterol free bananas. Um, spoiler alert: all bananas are <laughs> cholesterol free because cholesterol only happens in things with a liver. And if your banana has a liver, huh? then that's n- not a, a banana. That's a person dressed up like a banana. Don't eat that. Okay? <laughs> so yeah. learning something new every day. There you go. So, no you liver. Know, yeah, no, no liver. liver. And then you got to think. A lot of times when we pull things out, so they pull the fat out of something, they're going to add something else into it to make it taste good. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. that's going to be salt or that's going to be sugar so you got to ask yourself does does this label make sense for this particular product and then to put that label on there they have to meet certain criteria Um, trans fat was big in the um, media a couple years back as um, making sure that trans fats pulled out of our our french fries right right (laughs) didn't they ruin things for a while for us and so now you know it's required that they have on the label you know on the front no trans fat but this, the little sneaky part of that is you can label something as trans fat free as long as there's less than half a gram of trans fat per serving. Okay. So if you, you know, you have this particular item, uh, trans fat comes a lot in baked goods, like shelf stable baked goods. So maybe uh, honey bun, you know, and, you know, one honey bun might have less than a half a gram of trans fat. But if you eat four honey buns, now you've gotten, you know, a couple of grams of trans fat. So it's not actually trans fat free. 
So always look at that ingredient list and see if there's any mention of some type of fat product in there. Wow. All right, a couple of things I would like to remind our listeners of, food-related. There is a fundraiser coming up on uh, October the 3rd for the Jackson Heart Foundation. And that's a big deal because uh, everybody wants to support Healthy Heart, but also because our friend Chef Elizabeth High School is uh, doing a farm-to-table meal. If you're interested in that, uh, do a Google search of the Jackson Heart Foundation and find out about the October 3rd uh, farm-to-table meal. It will be hosted by Christy and George Walker at their home, and it goes to support the Jackson Heart Foundation. Also, the International Gumbo Festival, the Bank Plus Gumbo Festival, is going to take place on November the, the 9th. That's a Saturday downtown at Smith Park. If you think you are a great gumbo maker and you have a great recipe, we invite you to come compete. It's for a good cause. That's the International Gumbo Festival, November 9th in downtown Jackson at Smith Park. All right, folks, it's break time once again, and we still have lots of time. If you want to call and talk about family meals, feeding your children, trying to get your children involved and kids involved in the kitchen and what goes on there, give us a call, one 672 7464 or pop us an email to food at mpbonline.org. It will be more of Deep South Dining coming right up after this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email food at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with my buddies Marlena Walters and my new friend, Dr. Josie Bidwell from UMMC's Healthy and Fit. Is that what you call your show? It, most days. <clears throat> Sometimes Tell us I get... a little bit about the show real quick. <laughs> so it's part of the Full Southern Remedy lineup. It airs on Monday. So if you have not gotten enough of hearing my voice today, you can tune in at 11 and I will be back for that. We try and focus on health and wellness tips, but today we're actually going to be talking about ovarian cancer. Oh, boy. All right. The phones have been lighting up here. We've got Mikey calling from Mobile, Alabama. He wants to know something about a black bean sheet. Oh, hey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, the black bean brownie recipe. Um, I can't, please, I, I would appreciate <laughs> if you would share it over the air because I don't have yes. access to Internet. Okay, well, I am trying to pull it up um, right now. Um, I will tell you some of the ingredients that it starts with. Absolutely starts with some black beans, and I just use canned black beans for that. It also starts um, with oatmeal. And so what you actually do with that oatmeal is put it in a little bit of a food processor or a blender and blitz it up so that it turns into an oat flour. Uh, I have also made them before using actual just purchased oat flour. But if we're trying to do, um, you know, cheaper cooking, it's better to do dual purpose. And here I, d- I just found it. Perfect timing for me. Ta-da. Ta-da. All right. So it is one half cup quick oats and then we're going to blitz those up a half a cup of chocolate chips semi-sweet one and a half cups of black beans drained and rinsed quarter cup of canola oil a half a cup of maple syrup half a teaspoon of baking powder 
um, and three tablespoons of cocoa powder that's unsweetened, teaspoon of vanilla, and an eighth a teaspoon of kosher salt. And after you get those oats blitzed up in that blender, you just literally dump everything else in there. You melt those chocolate chips first, but you dump everything else in that blender and blitz it up until it's a smooth consistency. And I use a muffin pan um, so that I just put a couple tablespoons of batter in that muffin tin that I have sprayed um, with some nonstick spray. And cook at 350 for about 10 to 12 minutes. And they should pop right out and are full of fiber and no refined sugar and no refined grain in there. That's great. I hope you'll yeah. share it. Go ahead. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, get, I hope that you will share that with Java and he can pop it yeah. onto our website so people can share it and download it and cook it. What about it, Marlena? You got a favorite uh, sort of dessert, sweet recipe you want to share? Well, I have a quick one, one that's okay. just like a couple of cans of peaches, and um, you take a, a can of cinnamon rolls, I think the pack that has just five, Yeah. put your peaches in there, chop your cinnamon rolls up, put them on top, bake it. It's like an easy little cobbler. Easy cobbler. It is so delicious. That is, that's got to be quick. It is quick. In fact, I have done where I have like a little... Uh, cast iron baker that I've actually put it inside my crock pot and had that cooking while I have a roast or chicken or something else going that you can actually set it inside, put the lid on and, and bake it all together. Wow. Any other sweet suggestions, healthy sweets for the whole family, uh, Dr. Bidwell? Yeah, absolutely. So one of our favorites to do, and I've shared it on um, Healthy and Fit before, is apple nachos. And so (laughs) it's super easy. No cooking required. Um, You just take your favorite apple. Mine happens to be Honeycrisp. Um, and just chop it up however you like. I usually make it in, um, you know, little crescent moon shapes, so it's really good for dipping. And then I put a little bit of peanut butter in a cup and either warm it up in the microwave or warm it up on the, over the stove just till it's kind of drizzleable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a word. Drizzleable. But I just made I like it, it one. Yeah. So, and then drizzle that over the top of those. And then I sprinkle um, a couple of uh, little bits of walnuts on there. Of course, a couple of chocolate chips on there because kids do like chocolate, and so do I. Um, um, and then I usually either sprinkle on um, some chia seeds or um, some ground flax seed on there as well. And then there is an easy dessert that is absolutely nothing but healthy fats from the nuts and seeds and um, fiber and vitamins and minerals from the apples. I'm getting so hungry. Yeah, that's the point of this show. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're yeah. not hungry now, you probably overate breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> all right, another caller, Nathaniel's calling in from Union. He's got a question about vegans. Oh, all right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I, I am a vegan, so how may I assist you? <laughs> oh, you're a vegan? Yes, oh, I am. <laughs> uh, all right. Before I get to what I want to say, let me tell you, I, I don't mean any offense. Absolutely. I don't take any. It comes with okay. being a vegan. <laughs> well, I myself am a carnivore. I enjoy yeah. a raw or rare bloody steak. And I, and I hear these things about vegetarians. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get where they're coming from when I hear the word veal, which is actually a little tortured baby cow. Right. It takes me not want to eat meat either, but I still do anyway. But then vegans come along, and I hear they like to eat their front lawn on a piece of toast. And their <laughs> I have never eaten such, so I, I'm not I'm not that type of vegan. Oh, it's just that when I hear vegans, they end up coughing or they're sick, always wearing a scarf, and it's because they're not. She's not wearing a scarf today. Not today. No. Nope. Uh, 
Uh, well, thanks for the call, but uh, if if our guest today is a typical vegan, I think you've missed the mark on that yeah. one. Talk about being a yeah. vegan. So, and, and actually, last week's show that we did was all on plant-based diets, mm-hmm. um, because what vegan means is vegan just means the elimination of animal products. So, um, I usually say if it has a face or a mama, I don't eat it. Um, and I actually came to that way of eating not from necessarily an animal rights um, mentality, which is truly the, the vegan um Mindset. Um, actually, the way I eat is whole food, plant based. Um, but the word vegan is more recognized. Mm-hmm. But essentially, what it is is no meat, no dairy, no eggs. And the reason um, for eating that way is some of the things that we already talked about: decreasing that inflammation that right. we're talking about, as well as heart health. Right? If heart health is our goal, which it should be, because that's the number one cause of death for men and women across the globe, then we want to pull back on saturated fat and cholesterol and increase our amount of fiber. Just like I mentioned when talking about those bananas, cholesterol only lives in things that have a liver. So it only lives in animal products and fiber only lives in plants. So anytime we're trying to achieve heart health, we want to shift the ratio of our plate around to more fruits and vegetables and whole grains and less meat. So a plant-based diet doesn't even necessarily mean the elimination of all animal products. Mm -hmm. You can still have a small amount uh, of animal product should you choose so. But it's not necessary. So he mentioned some nutrient deficiencies, which we covered extensively last week on that show. So if you're curious about really a deep dive into that, I encourage you to go check out that podcast um, last week. But I assure you, I get all of my micronutrients as well as my protein intake completely from a plant-based source. What about this McDonald's uh, veggie burger that they're now promoting? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually or is it Burger King. It's Burger, it's Burger King. King. I'm sorry. So it's Burger King. I get those places yeah, confused. No problem. Uh, and... Uh, Um, It is the Impossible Whopper is what it is, and it is technically plant-based, but it would not be considered whole food plant-based, right? Mm. It is not necessarily a healthy choice. While it is made from plants, it also has a lot of added fat stuffed into it to make it juicy. On a bad day, have you ever tried it? I have tried it. I have tried it. Have you tried one, Marlon? I haven't yet. No. And it's it's delicious. It is delicious. delicious. But we don't want to to, to tell that's the healthier choice, right? right? It's not any healthier for you than the other, except that it would be cholesterol free because mm-hmm. it is all from from plants wow well we are very close to the end of this episode of deep south dining we want to thank our host for i mean our i'm the host you guys are the guests <laughs> and, welcome, and welcome. if we stick around for a while we'll hear your show at yes. 11 o'clock southern mm-hmm. remedy healthy and fit uh following this show please stay tuned for marshall ramsey on now you're talking Our show, which is the Deep South Dining Program, is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It is funded by generous contributors like yourself. We are produced by the magnificent and brilliant Java Chapman. And today, my co-host, Carol Puckett, was away, but I assure you she'll be back next Monday. Join us every Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning for Deep South Dining, only on MPB Think Radio. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. We enjoyed it.